The theme I was asked to pursue this morning is walking in unity. And as you who have been looking at Paul's letter to the Ephesians will have discovered, it's so full of material, so dense and so condensed that it's really quite difficult to sort out a single theme. You find one theme and then your eyes caught by another. But I want to just concentrate this morning on two words, walking and unity. And the passage that I read a few moments ago about unity is expressed in that fourth chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians in a very remarkable way. There is both one God, one faith, one baptism, but there is also the picture of the Christian church as the body of Christ with variety and flexibility. And if you will all remember, of course, that Paul uses the same image for the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2 and says that all of us are different. We are not uniform. Unity never means uniformity. But why did Paul choose a body to be representing the church, the body of Christ, Christians? I wonder if you've ever considered that two words that seem very similar actually express something very different. An organism and an organization. I spent 20 years, in the end 25 years, working at the Richard Hewish College, the sixth form college in Taunton, as Steve knows only too well, and Phil knows too. And one of the things that I set myself to do in that college was to try and encourage it to be an organism rather than an organization. But what is the difference? The difference is simply this. An organization may be beautifully organized, but it remains separate parts. An organism is something different. As soon as you affect one part, It affects the whole. And I know that only too well. You can't avoid rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those that weep. An organism is a real community. And so when Paul chose to express the unity of Christians as being the body of Christ, an organism, he was expressing a very real truth for us all. You cannot affect one part of the church 
vision of unity that we carry with us ever since the time of St. Paul. Of course, Christ is the head. Jesus is the cornerstone. And yet, we are linked one to another in a way so that we are all linked together. What affects one affects all. And that is the little message I brought to you this morning about unity. But there is also walking in unity. Walking. And I know I'm not a good advertisement for it at the moment, <laughs> but believe me, I love walking. I love running too. I hope to get that. Walking. Have you ever thought how much of the Bible is spent in walking? The whole salvation history actually begins with the war. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your family and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And Abraham, though he was old, he was childless, set out as the Lord told him. That's how the story of salvation history all begins with a walk. A walk into the unknown, as every good walk shall be. And still walking in paradise. There is the wandering in the wilderness. When Israel came to discover what their God was like, or what he required. And many people in later centuries looked back and said, that was the time when we were closest to God. It wasn't when we were settled, when we thought we had arrived. It was when we were wrong. And still it goes on into the New Testament. Think how much of Jesus' ministry is on the move. If you look in Luke's Gospel, you'll discover, for instance, that I think it's about chapter 9, verse 50 or 53, it says that Jesus set his face to go up to Jerusalem. And you need to turn forward ten chapters to nineteen before he arrives. For ten chapters in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is on a journey. Wandering. Setting his face in a certain direction. But on the move. Always on the move. And the writer of the letter to the Hebrews picks up this same point for us all. And he reminds us that Abraham and the others always saw themselves as strangers and wanderers and pilgrims on the earth. They set out looking for a heavenly city. And wherever they arrived, they never felt themselves at home. They never felt they had reached their goal. Even at the end of 
When Abraham had passed through the promised land, all he owned was a single field in Hebron, where there were caves, and he could lay his beloved wife Sarah to rest, and he himself would eventually rest. Strangers and wanderers on that. We are all all of you are on a journey, whether you like it or not. And your journey may take you to unexpected places. It certainly won't always go as it is planned. And yet, it is a journey that calls you to search for the heavenly city, the Jerusalem, whose founder is God. And the essence of all good walks and good journeys are the people you will meet. Those who will become your companions on where. And the original meaning of companion from the Latin is the ones you share bread with. There is the bread beside you. We shall share it Again, you won't choose your companions any more than you choose the things that will happen to you on life's journey. Some of the companions will be strange, unexpected. <coughs> Some of them are, you wouldn't have chosen in a million years. But they have been sent to be your companions as you walk, as you journey, as you serve. Earlier this morning, Judy pulled the rug out from under my feet because, of course, I was going to talk to you about more to events. And we have the same idea, and believe me, there was no collusion between us. But we're going to use that walk to events in a few moments. Because just as much as the night before Jesus was crucified, that walk to Emmaus can tell us things about the community. And let me remind you again, if I may, exactly what happened. Perhaps in a slightly more sophisticated way than we did for the children. It was on the evening of the first Easter day. The very first day. And two disciples, we know that one of them was called Cleopas, set out to walk on a seven-mile journey down to Emmaus. I say down, because they set off from Jerusalem, and it was nearly downhill all the way. And I've been on that route many times. And go due west. And as they set off on that strange, very steep, rocky valley path, rocks everywhere, cypresses growing up through the rocks, the setting sun must be shining dazzling directly in their eyes. 
and they were absorbed in their discussion about strange things that had happened in the past week. Maybe in argument, too, because on life's journey and in life's walking, sometimes we will disagree with the people who are sent to accompany us. Maybe they were arguing so fiercely that they hardly noticed when they were joined by a third person. And here may I make a slight detail. T.S. Eliot, in his poem for Cortez, quotes Shackleton in his Antarctic expedition. Many of you will know the story how for six months they were marooned in the Antarctic. And at last Shackleton, with two others, set off in a small boat to try and fetch help. And they landed on a southern Atlantic island. I think it was Georgia, but I'm not sure. And they had to trek across the island. Malnourished as they were, ill-equipped to try and find help. And according to the account of those men, the three, they suffered from a shared hallucination as they went. That there was always one more member of their party than could actually count. One more member of their party than could actually count. The one who joined those two disciples on the walk to Emmaus. The one who faced enchantment. Messiah, the Christ, should rise from 
how it was all foretold on the prophets. And by and by they came to Emmaus. They came to their destination, and he made as if he would have gone further. But they said to him, The day is nearly over, the night is at hand. Remember us. And he shared the meal in the inn at Emmaus. And still they didn't recognize Till in a gesture so characteristic Jesus, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him Set up that same hour, stumbling back up those steep, seven rocky miles, exciting, saying to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road? And they arrived, found the others in the upper room, and said to them, We have seen the Lord. And they told through life as strangers and pilgrims on this beautiful 